The book of Job has a verse in it. I, I spoke on this a year or so ago, and I'm not speaking on it today. I'm just referencing this. It says, Thou shalt declare a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. I've been praying for the last little while about the things that we say being established in our lives and God using those words to create in our lives. Whatever it is we need created, whatever it is that he needs to create within us and around us, that our words become the foundation and the impetus for him to do that. And Lord, I ask you today that this message that you put burning in my heart, Lord, would bring light, that it would bring hope and encouragement, Lord, where there is little or none, in Jesus' name. I'm gonna tell you a couple of things before we get into the scripture. I'm calling this order out of chaos. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter one, the Bible paints a very clear picture of how chaotic the world was. There was no form in the earth that was void of anything good or prosperous for life or godliness, and it was very, very dark. But the Bible says that through the Holy Spirit, hear it, through the Holy Spirit, God changed the chaos into order into function, into unity. And he did it through his divine plan in six days. And yes, I know I talked about Genesis a few weeks ago, several weeks in a row. That's okay, we can refer back to it again. And in that time, in those six days, he established time and the seasons, the ages for all of eternity in the separation of day and night, and in establishing the functions of the moon and the sun and the stars. He brought the cooperation, think about it, between the light and the darkness, so that each fulfilled their own appointed function at their own appointed time, thus blessing and benefiting the earth. He separated the land from the sea, and then he caused them to work together with each other to create such beauty and harmony. And he created all forms of life from the nothingness. He spoke them into existence in the sea and into the air. But you know that he created man in his own image out of the dust of the earth. If you want to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of the preacher, chapter 3, we're going to look at some verses there. You're familiar with verses 1 through 8, in which God set an appointed time for everything to have its own season. A time for birth, a time for death, a time for planting and harvesting, killing and healing, 
even a time for searching for something that was lost and a time to give up the search and accept the loss. Look at verse 6 there. In verses 9 through 15, Solomon concluded this way. What do people really get for their hard work? I've seen the burden that God has placed on us all, Solomon said, meaning that while some of these appointments of time, things in their time are hard, there are also blessings. Look at verse 11. Yet, in the chaos, in the hardships, he wrote, God has made everything beautiful. The New American Standard Bible says God has made everything appropriate. And yet another version, I think it was the Berean version, says that he has made everything in order in its appointed time. And verse 11 continues, and he has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. How many know we only see little snippets here and there? He's made everything beautifully, appropriately in order in its appointed time. He's brought harmony out of chaos. And when he made man in his own image, he gave him the right to have a voluntary, obedient relationship with him. And that eternity that he put in our hearts culminates in heaven with him. What is it that God put eternity in our hearts? What does it mean? It's the need to know and seek after longevity and the knowledge to know what happens after we cease being alive on this earth. Yet even so, with all the seeking and all the knowledge of all these things, Solomon said, we simply can't see it all. In verses 14 and 15, verse 14, And I know that whatever God does is final, Solomon concludes. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. And one of the most interesting verses in this whole passage is verse 15. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same things happen over and over. The New American Standard Bible says, For God seeks that which has passed by. He looks back to see what has happened before. And therefore Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. What God has done is final and it cannot be altered or changed. And no matter how hard man tries, he won't succeed because God will create order again and again and again out of chaos. What God has done is to provide himself a sacrifice, as I said last week, and nothing can change that. There was an order in all things 
pertaining to Jesus Christ. There was order out of chaos for his birth time and birthplace, which fulfills scripture, for his ministry location, which reached the lost and dying Jews, order in the selection of his disciples, even though one, Judas, got out of order, and it cost him his life. Order in Jesus' capture, his death, his burial, and most certainly, order in his resurrection, all of these fulfilling scripture. Don't you know that all of these times and seasons concerning Jesus looked like utter chaos to the onlooker? The chaos of Jesus being sought to be killed by the leadership as a newborn baby and that continued throughout most of his life until they succeeded. But it was in God's plan. And how can these things which on the surface look so chaotic, how can they possibly be the ordered plan of God? But clearly they were. Because like Solomon said, we can't see the whole from the beginning to the end. What about chaos in the church? Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at a few things here. I'm not going to dwell on it long, but briefly mention. Here in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, we read many different admonitions that Paul gave to the church body about maintaining order in the operation of the church. It was all so new and there really wasn't a user's manual for them to go by. But Paul and Peter and James taught not to allow chaos in their church because it is not of God. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, meaning all the churches should operate in peace, not confusion. Verse 38, and anyone who doesn't follow these established rules of order is not recognized. Verse 40, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. God established order in the Lord's Supper, our communion service last week. That's why we basically do things the same way every time, because that was the order that Jesus himself set in place for that, uh, for us to remember him by. He created order in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit within the body. Now let me ask you, Terry and I were talking about this. Why would God put the order there? Why would he say, this is how the gifts of the Spirit should operate if the plan was to cease for the gifts being in operation? No, I don't believe it. He would have told us if that were the case. He even created order for how questions should be answered and handled in the church service. He said, don't call out. Go home and ask your own husband, wives. Go home and ask your own husband. And verse 40 said, order in all things concerning the churches of the saints. 
It only took God six days to bring order to the entirety of the chaos in the world system and to create all life. It only took him 10 days for the day of Pentecost to launch the greatest move of salvation and revival ever recorded in history. I read that the early church membership was between 30 and 40,000 in Jerusalem alone. And God looks back on what was because he repeats the times and the cycles. This is why so many ministers feel that there will be an incoming, a huge uh, revival of salvation among the people before the Lord comes back because God repeats these cycles and these times again and again. And we do look back on better times. We do it ourselves. We were born in a better time as far as, you know, the evil that's in the world. Hard times, of course, but better times as far as being godly and being in order in God's kingdom. But we have to remember that all of these things are in his appointed time. It's his clock and his calendar that we live by and we only see a little piece of it. How many were so hurt and saddened by the news that Israel had been attacked? How vicious and vile and satanic was that? But know this, he is the God who brings order out of chaos. And he's been through it before. And he's looking back to how, <laughs> how it turned out before. And he knows how to ordain the future. If you would turn to Psalm 121, it's important that we leave on this note Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes to the mountains from where, from where shall my hope or my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Read verse 4. What does it say? Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Amen? The Berean version says that the protector of Israel will never sleep nor slumber. This morning, as you stand with me, please, America has been the greatest ally of Israel, and vice versa. We've always stood together in all of history of America. We have stood with Israel. The reason I read the verse in Job about declaring a thing, decreeing a thing, I think it says, um, decree a thing, I'm going to decree this to you today, that anyone 
in the United States of America in a leadership position who disagrees with this position of standing in ally with, as an allied force with Israel needs to be removed, whether by the hand of God, and of course we leave that to him, or by the hand of man, because we have a vote and we control what we choose to do. I'm decreeing that before you and before the Lord this morning. Anyone that is in a leadership position in this country needs to stand with us in standing with Israel. It may sound silly. It may sound hollow to say such a thing. But as I told you, our words become the basis and the foundation for what God does in our lives by what we believe, what we have faith in, and the words we speak. And I speak it before you today. We stand with Israel. The Bible says that God blesses those who bless Israel and he curses those who curse Israel. And if there has been underhanded, under-the-table deals that have gone on that we know nothing about, I pray God bring judgment in those cases. Amen? I want to ask you to pray with me this morning. As you know, our sister Patty so faithfully every Sunday, pray for our country. Pray for Israel. I'm so thankful that she's so faithful to do that. I, it really means a lot to me. And we're going to do that right now as a body. Just in your own way. God, be merciful. Be merciful to Israel, oh God. Hold her up in your hands, Lord. Protect her people and above all, Lord. Give wisdom to their leaders, Lord. Oh, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would become alive in their leadership, Lord, and would give them your divine wisdom to know how to respond and how to deal with this situation. And the same in America, oh, God. Turn every heart to Israel, Lord, through you, through your mighty power, Lord, that brought order out of chaos in this world, that brought order out of chaos in the church, Lord, and brings order out of chaos in our hearts through the redemption of sin, O oh God, the forgiveness of sin and the redemption of our hearts. And you have the power because you are amazing Jehovah to take care of your own. And we thank you, Lord, that Israel is your own. Oh, God, I pray for those people today. Put a shelter around them, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around them, Lord, as they're living through this horrible event. God, God I ask that you protect them in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, one thing more I decree and declare today, oh God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would permeate our schools. Our schools, God, are so evil. They are so filthy and vile. 
God, I ask you to clean them up through the power of the Holy Spirit that brought the order out of chaos. Bring it in our schools, in our courts, in our justice system, and in our government. Oh, thank you, Father. We thank you for these things today, Lord, because you are amazing Jehovah, and we have faith and confidence in you. And now, Lord, I ask that you go with each one, be with each heart, be with each family, Lord Jesus. Touch those that are sick as we pray, oh God. Give them healing in Jesus' mighty name. We ask it all. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.